Well, I'll say it. Good morning. It is so good to be together. Uh, thank you for being in God's house today for our guests who are with us, for those who call Messiah Home and Family, those joining us online. I'm excited to get into God's Word again as we're right here in the beginning of Advent and Christmas, you know, a season where we celebrate gifts. And, and again, I, I know I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. As God's people, as followers of Jesus Christ, the main focus of the season is not in the gifts that we give, but it is in the gift that we receive. We receive in our Lord Jesus Christ, his gift of grace. And so um, today we're going to focus, in fact, on one word. Uh, you heard David read from John chapter 1. And out of that whole thing of Jesus, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, I want to focus in on one of the things that John brought before us. The, that the word becoming flesh brings us what? His gift of grace. And that's what we're going to really zero in on in our reading today. Now, there's been many ways in which we have defined grace. But however you might have heard it, I think maybe just to summarize it, what grace is, is God's generous love and mercy for undeserving people, just like you and me. Jesus is the perfect source of that grace, the perfect example of that grace we see in the cross. And what I believe is so amazing about this reading from John is he not only brings up this idea of grace, but he says, we have grace upon grace. And I want to get to that in just a little bit, but let me pray for us as we begin this time together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, Jesus, for you becoming flesh and dwelling among us, that you have made known to us your gift of grace, Lord. You came to fulfill the plan of salvation, and Lord, that is something that is very personal. That gift of grace has each one of our names written on it. And Lord, I pray that today you would just bring that truth home sweetly into our hearts and into our lives, that we would live in that grace each and every day. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's an old story of a man who once lost his keys and he's searching for those keys outside at night under a street light and as he's on his hands and knees looking a friend of his walks by and offers to help and the friend says sure I'd be happy to have you help me look and after a few minutes of not finding the keys the friend finally stands up and he kind of just says um can you kind of give me an idea where you think you might have dropped them? And his friend stands up, I, it was somewhere in my house. He's like, in the house? Well, why on earth are we out here looking for them? He said, well, the light's better out here. You know what? No matter how well you think you see, you will not find what you're looking for if it's not there. This silly little story, in fact, I believe represents a very sad truth of what is desperately wrong in our world today, something that only God's grace can heal. You see, I believe far too many people in our world today are out there searching frantically at night under dim street lights, looking for what their hearts are yearning for. They're trying to fill a, a hole that is deep in their hearts and in their souls because they know something's not right. 
but they don't know what it is. They know something has been lost, something deeply and profoundly lost, but it's not their keys. It's them. They're lost. So now what's the difference between them and us? Well, I pray for one that you and I are not lost. We've been found. And so for you and I, our deepest needs within us, we're not out there looking under streetlights at night to find it. No, we're here. We're at home. What was lost has been found. We find it in the pages of God's Word. We find it in the water of holy baptism. We find it in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. What has been found, under again, outside of that is God's grace. It is God's gift to us through our Savior. But I don't want to stand up here and assume that everyone here or everyone worshiping online really understands that that gift of grace, grace is something real, something personal for you. I don't know if you struggle with it. I know I've had conversations throughout the years with people who will, for various reasons, say, I'm just not sure if what you're talking about, that gift of grace, is really mine. And I just want to ask you, what about you? Now, if you're confident, if you sit here and you say, I am absolutely confident in God's amazing grace, then praise God. But if you don't know if it's personally yours, or maybe you're uncertain what it really means, then I am so glad you're here today because I want to dig deeper with you into exploring what this grace is. But in order to unpack what grace is, we got to take a few steps back. We got to understand why grace is important in the first place. And there's two things that I'm going to bring before you. The first one is this. Uh, there is a certain reality, I believe, that levels the playing field of all people of all time, every generation. And what levels the playing field is that we all have been created by God. And we have been created in His image. What that means is that every one of us, all people have been created with, to be in this beautiful and eternal relationship with our Creator God. But when sin, a rebellion, an act against God, when sin broke this world, when sin broke us, not only did it sever that relationship with the Father, but it put us on a road toward eternal destruction, eternal punishment. Now what happens is that brokenness leaves a hole in us. It leaves a hole in our hearts. It leaves a hole deep down in our souls. And this is true of every man, woman, and child of every generation. And that hole in us represents a longing to be back into a relationship with our eternal and creating God. We long for His love and His acceptance. Now, if that's true, everyone of all time, if that's true that every one of us has that hole longing to be with God, then I would ask the question, why are our churches not filled to overflowing every single Sunday? 
Why is it in a population of 6.9 billion people on this planet, why are only one-third claiming to be followers of Christ? Well, that can be a very complex answer. But let me keep it simple for us today. The problem, I believe, is there are millions of streetlights out there claiming to have just what you need to fill your deepest longings if you will just come out into the night and search. Sadly, the majority of the people in our world are drawn to them. Uh, we could go down that road really long ways of what that really means and using streetlights as an example of being lured out to find things in this world. But let me give you four examples of what I believe are streetlights in our world today. How about, how about joy and happiness? True joy and happiness is found in the accumulation of wealth. It's a streetlight. How about relationships? Relationships are all about you. Your deepest need is to be happy. Streetlight. How about life? You will finally arrive and you'll be someone when you achieve power, position, and influence. Streetlight. How about the value of your life? The greater your status on social media, the greater your value in the world. Streetlight. Now again, we could go down this list a long ways. But I want to just compare, contrast those four streetlights with what God's Word says about those four things. You see, when you open up the pages of God's Word, you'll find that true joy and happiness is found in being unconditionally loved by God. Especially when we as broken people are so very unlovable a lot of the time. How about relationships? Jesus sets the example, a godly relationship isn't about what you get, it's about what you give out of deep and abiding love. How about the fullness of life? A fullness of life is found not in our achievements, but our identity in Christ, sons and daughters of the King. And what about value? Value in this world isn't found in clicks, comments, posts, and followers. It's found in your baptism, where our Heavenly Father washes you clean. He washes you from sin and declares you by name to be His very own. Streetlights and God's Word. You see, God gives grace. And you and I know that grace. Even if we struggle with it, even if we don't always let that grace bring us, you know, amazing hope and joy and peace every single day. Well, you and I at least know what it is, but there are far too many people out there crawling around on their hands and knees in the dark under the dimness of a streetlight, and they're looking for grace substitutes that are only going to end up frustrating them. And, you know, as I thought about this, this is also maybe a side note, but definitely fits with it. Maybe understanding this idea will help us understand why there are so many angry people in the world. Why there's so much hurt. Why there's so much greed and jealousy. Why it's so rampant. All the, uh, the discontent we see. The reason is, think about it, when you physically lose your keys, especially when you're needing to get on the road and go somewhere, you get angry, don't you? I can't find my keys. Where are they? But what if those keys represented what will unlock, at least you think, 
what will unlock the secrets and treasures of this world that will finally satisfy and heal you. Heal what's broken deep down inside that will finally make you happy. If you lose those keys, let me tell you what, you're angry. And there are a lot of people that are. Because there is a strong pull toward those dim lights. And the people under them are hopeful at first, but they become very frustrated and angry very quickly because this world will always let us down. Only Jesus only his grace can cure this sin-sick world. But you know what? You and I have to admit something. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, we are also tempted at times to go out and look in the dark, to look under the street lights to find what will bring us lasting joy and happiness and hope. But here's the difference. When we do that, as followers of Jesus through the power of God's Holy Spirit within us, when we repent of our sins, Jesus comes, he lifts our gaze from the ground into his face and into his eyes, and he says, I want you to come home. You're not going to find what you're looking for out there, but you will find it at home. And there you'll have it in abundance. So I want to take even another step back. What would our lives look like without grace? What would our lives look like without that amazing gift? And it's not a pretty picture. In fact, uh, I think we need to be reminded uh, what our lives, what lives of people would look like without God's gift of grace. And, and guess what? The Apostle Paul wrote it down in the book of Romans. In fact, in this is the most disturbing, repugnant, uh, poignant description of what your condition and my condition would be if we did not have God's gift of grace. Are you ready for it? It's not pretty. I'll put a lot of words on the screen and you probably won't be able to read them all, but I'll read it. Romans chapter three, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is upon their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is us outside of grace. Now the Apostle Paul writes that not to leave us hanging. Not to wonder if there really is any hope for us. In fact, what I think the Apostle Paul is doing, he says, you know what? The best way to appreciate the light is to be able to be in the dark for a moment. To see how dark it truly is. Because just in a few verses later, again from Romans chapter 3, he says, let me tell you what God has done. I love these words. But now. The righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. If the word has become flesh, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's God's amazing grace. I love how author Max Lucado, he wraps this up so nicely in his book, In the Grip of Grace. But look at the way he says this. I love this. He goes, ponder the achievement of God. He doesn't condone our sin, nor does he compromise his standard. He doesn't ignore our rebellion. 
nor does he relax his demands. Rather than dismiss our sin, he assumes our sin and incredibly sentences himself. God's holiness is honored, our sin is punished, and we are redeemed. God is still God, the wages of sin is still death, and we are made perfect. That's how grace works. Jesus' perfect record was given to you, and your imperfect record was given to him. He took every one of your sins. I don't care how big it is, how small it is. He took every one of your sins to the, he, he took them into himself, took them to the cross, and by him shedding his blood, we are made clean. By his blood, we are welcomed home. That is what grace is all about. But again, I have had too many conversations with people to know that this is, it could very well be true right here in this, this sanctuary today that people struggle with this. They wonder, is this grace really for me? Is it mine personally? And if that's you, I want to just, I want to ask you, what, what's your struggle? What is it about grace that makes it difficult? Maybe, maybe it's your past. Maybe there's so many failures, so many regrets, so many shortcomings, so much shame. Your ledger is so full of red. You're like, God couldn't possibly love someone like me. But the truth is, in his grace, your imperfect past is redeemed. It's washed clean. But maybe it's not just your past. Maybe it's your present. Maybe there's doubts right now. Maybe there's a lot of guilt. Or maybe you're in some secret sins. Unfaithfulness. Greed. Through God's gift of repentance, lay these things at the feet of Jesus today, right now. Lay them at the feet of Jesus because he became sin for you all the way to the cross. And when we do so in Christ Jesus, every single day, you are held tightly in his grip of grace. Maybe it's not just your past and present, but also you worry about the future. Fears of the unknown. Maybe repeated patterns of addiction and failure, anxiety of what might happen to you or in the world around you. Well, in Christ Jesus, our future is secure. In Christ Jesus, that future, the next five minutes, five years, five decades, uh, yes, there's still an unknown to all of it. We still worry and doubt we're human, by the way. But when we stop looking for answers in the dark out under streetlights and we turn to our Lord Jesus, we are able to settle into his arms and trust that he has your future in his hands. God invites us to know that he is the God of not only yesterday and today, but also tomorrow. He's already way out ahead of you. He's out there to help you in your times of trouble and to put blessings out there before you. Yes, the truth is our sins are great, but the truth is his grace is greater. Our loving father invites us to rest in his love. So as I bring this to a close today, I said I was going to get to this in the Gospel of John, the first chapter. John not only says when the Word became flesh that he brought God's grace, but he also says grace upon grace. What does that mean? Do we need more of what is already enough? Or is there another level of blessing and beauty that God wants us to see in this. And I believe the best way to understand grace upon grace is in these two words, from and to. And what I mean by that is the gift of God's grace 
He rescues us from eternal separation, from eternal damnation, but he rescues us to a blessed life in Christ Jesus. A life that is forgiven. A life that, that you are loved. A life where you are accepted. Where you are a son or a daughter of the king. A life overflowing with value and meaning and purpose and hope. You see, if we let that beauty of grace just settle into that, that deepest part of our hearts and our lives, I believe what we'll do then is we'll start to see even clearer how our Heavenly Father, when He makes the promise to us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, we're able to look at that and let it settle our fears as we rest in His arms. As we let that gift of grace sink in deeper, I believe that we also look at Jesus and His promises to say, I'll be with you both in your times of peace and through every storm you ever face and we'll be able to heed His invitation where He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Trust in a God who was already there. You see, in His grip of grace, we are more confident that all of our sins are forgiven. That means that we are not only living a blessed life now, but a blessed life for all eternity. I want to finish with a prayer. It doesn't mention grace, the word grace, but it's all about it. It's actually a prayer that the Apostle Paul wrote in the letter he wrote to the Ephesians. It's a celebration of grace. It's an invitation into grace. And it's also a dismissal, a blessing, a benediction as we go from worship 